This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Let's 
truly is amazing grace. There's no other way to say it. Again, uh, thank you for being in the house of the Lord. We love worshiping together. And uh, let me just, uh, this is just such a great time of year. The turkeys are gobbling. Uh, the uh, fish are biting. The mushrooms are popping. And uh don't forget the concept of first fruits and tithes. So any mushrooms, you know, you need to tithe. And uh, if you give them to me, I'll make sure that the Lord gets them, okay? Just, just saying here. We as Americans love our holidays. Of course, we have the biggies, Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, July 4th. But then... Uh, we also celebrate some other bizarre days such as April Fool's Day. And some of you love that day because you love to uh, make somebody feel like a fool. Uh, there's another holiday that's called Bean Day. And I can only imagine how some people uh, celebrate that day. Uh, there's another holiday called Peculiar People Day. And probably some of us here would, uh, should celebrate that day. January 6th is National Nothing Day. January 11th, and this is true, is Step in a Puddle and Splash Your Friend Day. January 11th, put that on your calendar. Um, Let's see, um, April 14th is Ex-Spouse Day. I I wondered, how would you celebrate ex-spouse? Those of you that got an ex-spouse, burn their picture. I don't know what what you would do on ex-spouse day. Um... And then May 13th is Blame Someone Else Day. And I actually thought that was every day, but I guess it's just one day a year. May 14th is Dance Like a Chicken Day. That's coming up, so put that on your calendar. Hopefully it's not a Sunday. Um, September 28th is Ask a Stupid Question Day. And then November 19th is Have a Bad Day Day. And, you know, I I think that's a stretch. We're really, really hard up, I guess, for holidays. But um, what really bothers me is that our country is trying to promote days like this, but yet delete or low-key other very important holidays such as Easter. And I found out that what little Easter or emphasis is put on Easter, you know what it's on? It's on the Easter bunny. Or Easter egg hunts. But please, let's never forget the significance of Easter. It's big. It's huge. The significance is that every other religion honors a dead corpse. But because of Easter, we worship a risen Savior. Don't ever forget that. Now, there's another special day that we want to talk about today. And and, and this day gets noticed even less than Easter... And that's the day of Passover. And on this uh, Palm Sunday to prepare our hearts for Easter next week, as well as to prepare our hearts to, to partake of the Lord's Supper in a few moments, we want to talk about Passover. And the way that we're going to approach the study today is, first of all, we're going to go to the pages of the Old Testament, and we will look at the Old Testament Passover and see how it was established, how it was observed, but then we're going to look at the New Testament Passover. And, and we will find, and this probably will surprise you a little bit, but it was not just the Jews who were commanded to keep the Passover. 
But those of us who are Christians, followers of Christ, are also commanded to keep the Passover. In fact, let me just give you a little preview by reading that scripture and then, then we'll get into our study. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. And, and then the Apostle Paul goes on and says this in verse 8. Therefore, let us... Now, who's the us? That would be speaking to the church, to Christians. He said, let us keep the festival. What festival? Well, they're talking about Passover. So that would be the festival of Passover. Let us keep the festival not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread, without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. What does that mean? Well, hang with me over the next few minutes. Lord willing, we'll hopefully figure this out in God's Word. Let's first of all begin looking at the Old Testament Passover. Now, the background for the Old Testament Passover is, is fairly familiar. If you were raised in church, you you know that the Jews had been slaves in the land of Egypt for several hundred years. And something that, that was very interesting is that the symbol of power in Egypt was a snake, or it was a serpent. You know, here in America, the bald eagle is, is, our, is our symbol of independence and majesty and, and even power. But in Egypt, their symbol was the serpent. Well, in Exodus chapter 12, and if you want to go ahead and turn there, because we're going to be camped out there during the majority of our study, we find that God was getting ready to destroy the power of Egypt. And, and many of you know the, know the account, but if you don't know the account, you would never guess how God was going to defeat that serpent. He was going to use a lamb. Now, I know that sounds impossible. Uh, a lamb is a weak animal. It has no fangs, has no poison like a serpent. A lamb has no... Huge teeth like a lion. It has no claws to shred and to tear. A lamb has knobby knees and so they can't run very fast and they certainly can't scramble up a tree to escape danger. A lamb is basically a defenseless, gentle, and meek animal. One of the uh, common sources of food in other countries is, is mutton or, or, or sheep. And without getting too graphic here, there have been those times when I've seen our brothers and sisters in, in, in these other countries, they go out to their fields and they will grab a lamb that will serve as our lunch. And again, without getting graphic, they will go through the process of killing that sheep. And, and, and when it comes to it, honestly, sometimes I, I'm a softie and, and I have to turn my head or I have to walk away. I just can't take the way they're doing it. But in the last moments of that lamb's life, you never see it fighting back or trying to injure those who are ending its life because it's gentle, meek, and mild. So let's read about this lamb that would defeat the serpent in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. reads like this, the NIV. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year, and, and this month would correspond with our month of April. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat, the animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. 
Now, as, as we look at this first Passover, I noticed that this lamb was to be without defect. It had to be perfect. And you say, well, how did they enforce this? Well, they had quality assurance people. And they were called priests. And what they would actually do is to quarantine the lamb for three days. And, and during this time, they would carefully observe inside the mouth. They would observe the eyelids, look at every square inch to make sure that there was no spot or blemish. Because one blemish, you know, a runny eye or even a hint of a disease would immediately disqualify the lamb from being sacrificed. Now, during our study, and, and don't, don't miss this. Remember that this lamb pointed forward to Jesus Christ, the sinless and spotless lamb of God. Let's keep on reading. Verse 6. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it. That's the lamb in the evening. Now, it's significant that the lamb was to die at a particular time. Scripture says that in the evening and the way that we track our time today is a little different. So this time would have probably corresponded to our afternoon. And and this will be very significant in a few moments, so just kind of hold this thought. Something else about this lamb is that it would bring salvation. And let me read it for you in verse 23, Exodus, still Exodus chapter 12. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe and will pass over. That's where we get the word Passover. And will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Now, had they tied a live lamb by the door, it would not have saved them. But God said to sprinkle the lamb's blood on the doorframe, the top and the sides, and then as the death, death angel made his rounds, he would see the blood and would pass over over that household and they would be saved something else about this lamb this lamb was also to be shared back in verse 4 if any household is too small for a whole lamb they must share one with their nearest neighbor let me just cut to the chase here christianity is not a lone ranger religion and you'll hear this, I hear this, people who say, well, I don't need to be in church, and I can worship Jesus just as well out in nature. Anybody ever hear this? <laughs> of course we do. For those who say that, first of all, they're generally ignorant of the Scriptures. They can't defend themselves in Scripture. They rarely read God's Word. Of course we can all worship God in nature. I've had some amazing times of worship out in nature. And one of the most significant God moments in my life took place several years ago at the top of a 20,000-foot peak. We had a prayer meeting, and it was amazing. So, of course, we can experience God in His wonderful creation. But don't miss this. Time and time again, when God's Word, and especially... The book of Acts talks about the early church worshiping. It's never, let me say it again, it's never in the context of believers being off by themselves or even never with another family or two in a boat fishing or camping along 
a stream or in a deer stand. Again, you can pray, sing, and worship in all of those places. You, you can even pray, sing, and worship in the shower. But the context of believers worshiping in the Bible is always with other believers in a strategic and a predetermined place of worship, generally a house or a public building or a cave. Or for the large crowds listening to Jesus, it was on the side of a hill. It was not off doing something for pleasure and entertainment and saying, well, this is where I feel God the most. It wasn't that way in the scriptures. And I'm not denying that there are some genuine Christians that choose not to go to church. And, but I've never seen a purposefully stay-at-home Christian. And, and I say it purposefully because I realize there are some shut-ins. They would love to be in church, and, and they can't. Physically, they can't. But I've never seen a purposefully stay-at-home Christian have any kind of impact on those who are lost. Most of them don't serve the body of Christ. They don't bless other believers. They don't tithe. They don't receive the strength that comes from worshiping corporately, corporately with others. So, so this little nugget is very important. In the Old Testament, they were to share the lamb during the Passover. Now, let's see how they were to prepare that lamb that they would share. Exodus chapter 12, verse 8. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire. Now, I love this. Try to picture this in your mind. They've killed the lamb. They put the blood on the doorposts. Now they take the meat of that lamb and begin to roast it. You know the aroma that's in the air when your neighbor is grilling steaks? One grill with ribeyes sizzling can cause the mouths of an entire neighborhood to water. I heard that Amen. But, but listen to this, and this, this kind of blows my mind. Scholars believe that there were probably around 250,000 households, N not people, because there were probably more like a million, million and a half, maybe two million people. But they believe there were a quarter of a million households that were grilling lamb at the same time. Can you imagine the aroma in the air? Man, it would be the pits if you were vegan. I pity you. But anyway, together with family and friends, they shared this lamb. And that lamb that through its blood had caused the death angel to pass over them and had saved them now begins to strengthen them. And every one of those hungry Jewish slaves that had been mistreated by the Egyptians probably often had to go hungry. They began their journey out of Egypt strengthened because they had been nourished by the meat of this lamb. And of course, there's so much symbolism here. Christ, the lamb of God, is your strength Isaiah chapter 40 verse 29 he gives strength to the weary are, are you weary this morning scripture says he will give strength to you it says he increases the power of the weak verse 31 Isaiah 40 says but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not be faint thank God we can be strengthened through Jesus Christ. Well, not only do we want to look at the Passover in the Old Testament, I have saved the best for last. Are, are you ready just to be blessed by God's Word this morning? Let's look at the New Testament Passover. And as I've tried to get across, the Old Testament lamb was just a picture of the true lamb that would come. And, and this lamb in the New Testament, just as it was in the Old Testament, would be a lamb without defect. This lamb named Jesus was the sinless, spotless, and virgin-born Son of Almighty God. 
And let me give you some symbolism that's interesting. And I know you can take symbolism way too far, but, but track with me. At least humor me here this morning. Listen to me. In the Old Testament, the, the priests had, had commissioned certain shepherds to go to the fields of Bethlehem. Catch that? To the fields of Bethlehem. To oversee and make sure there were plenty of spotless and unblemished lambs for the Passover. Do you remember where Jesus was born? In Bethlehem, close to where those special lambs were raised for Passover. And furthermore, those lambs who were born in the field of Boaz on on a particular Sunday before Passover were brought into the city through the sheep gate up to the temple mount. And what I find so fascinating is that around the same time when those lambs were coming in through coming in through that sheep gate to be sacrificed on that same Sunday that we now refer to as Palm Sunday, Jesus Christ, God's lamb, was also coming into the same city riding on a donkey. You know, some people say the Old Testament is just a bunch of stuff. No, everything in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus Christ. You know, for example, I told you earlier that for three days the priests would examine those lambs to make certain they were perfect. Well, if you notice in the New Testament, much attention is given to the final three days of, of Christ's life. And, and he was scrutinized by the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were trying to find a flaw in him. But, but after examining him for three days, they said, never a man spoke like this man. And, and they lied about him. They trumped up charges. Yet no one was able to accuse him of, of, of sin. Even Pilate had to say... I find no fault in him. This was a perfect lamb without blemish. Also, just as the Old Testament Passover lamb had to die, we also see that the New Testament Passover lamb would die. Let's look for a few moments at the days leading up to his death. Jesus, on the day before his arrest, told his disciples to go into the city to prepare the Passover. And, and the disciples prepared a Passover meal as, as had been the custom for centuries. And here's what they would do. Just a little bit of tradition, Jewish tradition. They would take three loaves of unleavened bread. And, and they would take three, th- th- those three loaves of bread and put them in a matzah, which which was a cloth bag that had three different divisions. And they would put one piece of bread in the top part and another piece of bread in the middle division and another piece of bread in the bottom part. And then at a particular time in the Passover ceremony, they would reach in and take out the middle piece of bread and they would break it and pass it around the table. And then they would take the cup Understand, this was not just a cup, but it was the cup, the the, the cup that was set aside during the feast. And and no one was to drink from that cup because they said, this is Messiah's cup. And, And then there would be the chair, not just a chair, but the chair. And no one was to sit in that chair because they said when Messiah comes, he'll sit in the chair and drink from the cup. 
Well, on the Thursday night of the Passover, the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus was with his disciples and he, and he reached in and he pulled out the middle piece of bread and he, and he broke it. And, and with that one act, he unlocked the mystery of the centuries and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And, and for centuries, the Jews had held the Trinity in their hand in the matzah, that cloth bag with, with three pieces of bread and They'd never understood that those three pieces of bread represented God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the mystery was unlocked to them. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 22, the supper having ended, Jesus took the cup, not a cup, but the cup, Messiah's cup, and said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. And Jesus was saying, here is the new covenant, not with the blood of the Old Testament lamb, but with the blood of the New Testament lamb of God. Well, by 9 a.m. on Friday, he took the heavy cross. Jesus took the heavy cross, put it on his shoulders that were bloody from being whipped. And and he started up the rocky hill called Golgotha. And by the way, do you know where this was? This was? This was part of Mount Moriah. You remember Mount Moriah? In Genesis chapter 22, God had told Abraham to sacrifice his son. And so as Abraham and Isaac were heading up Mount Moriah, Isaac said, Father, here's the wood, here's the fire, but where's the, where's the sacrifice? And, and remember those powerful words that Abraham said to Isaac. And, and the New Living Translation says God himself will provide a sacrifice. But I love the way the King James Version says it. It says God will provide himself. A sacrifice. And to me this is so cool. Because on that same mountain. Where, where Abraham was to have sacrificed his son Isaac. Is the place where God the Father. Did provide himself. As a sacrifice. And while Jesus was there on one side of Mount Moriah. The Levites and the priests were on the other side. And at the time of the evening sacrifice. Which would have been around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The the priests pulled out their sharp knives. And and they cut the throat of that unblemished lamb. And the blood spilled out over the altar. But more significantly. At the same time on the other side of the same mountain. Jesus' blood was also being spilled out. And Jesus in a loud voice bowed his head and said. It is finished. And when Jesus said, it is finished, he was essentially saying, Levites, you can go home now. Priests, you can put away your knives. Shepherds, you can retire. We don't need spotless lambs anymore. That was the Old Testament covenant. Because now Christ... The perfect, the sinless, the spotless, the Lamb of God has been sacrificed. And we don't need to sacrifice animals anymore. Because this Lamb would bring salvation to all who believe. And you know, as I was just praying and meditating over this, this past week in my office, I just had to admit, the truth began to settle into my soul. And my eyes just filled with tears as I as I began to get a glimpse of what this really meant for Joe Trussell, this meant now I could have salvation through Jesus. One more thing. Just as the Old Testament was to, the Old Testament lamb was to be shared, this New Testament lamb is also to be shared. 
which leads us to the last part of the service today. Remember I told you at the very beginning of this message that 1 Corinthians 5 told us to keep the Passover feast. How are we to do that? Let me show you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, He took the cup. Not a cup, but the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Today we keep the Passover not by sacrificing sheep and sprinkling blood on the doorpost, but by partaking of the Lord's Supper. And remember, when we take the Lord's Supper, we're not mourning a corpse. We're hailing a conqueror. We're hailing the fact that the Lamb... The Lamb has slain the serpent. The Lamb has slain the serpent. As we prepare our hearts for communion, I've asked Faith to come and she's going to read a scripture and I ask her to read it every couple of years. It's just so powerful. We probably ought to do it every Sunday. Just one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. Talks about... It talks about the Lamb of God. Let's uh, worship and be blessed as she reads this. Out of Revelation 5. And I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and unroll it? But no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. And then I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, The lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has conquered. He is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seven seals. I looked and I saw a lamb that had been killed, but was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God that are sent out into every part of the earth. And he stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And as he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. 
For you were killed and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and nation and language and people. And you have caused them to become God's kingdom and his priests and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again and I heard the singing of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, the lamb is worthy. The lamb who was slaughtered, he's worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they also sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. This morning as we partake of, uh, of communion, I want to just ask, is, has the blood been applied to the doorpost of your heart? that's the question we've got to answer because if, if the blood of Jesus has not been applied to your heart the death angel will not pass over you and so I just want to ask you this morning have you allowed God to do that and as we uh, as we pray before we partake, I, I want to just say that if, um, if your heart is not right with God, would you please today make this the day? Today is the day of salvation. Let's just pray together. Father, you know the needs of the hearts here. You know, you know what's, uh, what's going on in our lives. The sin that we've hidden. Lord, you know those times when we have maybe done things and uh, again, the longer we do things, we get comfortable doing them. And Father, I pray that for anyone today that has sin, unforgiven sin in their heart, that this would be the day that they would turn from that sin and receive Jesus. Father, before us, we have the elements, the uh, bread re representing the body of Christ that was so broken for us. We have the juice that represents the blood. And of course, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Lord, would you bless these elements? But more than that, would you bless our time that this would be a time of reflection? Lord, we understand from your word that the that the Lord's Supper not only goes back to the death of Jesus and, 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 and yes, the resurrection, but it's pointing forward to the second coming of Jesus. And that's going to happen. And Father, I pray that as we, as we partake this morning that we would do so in all seriousness. And Lord, today that this would not be fun and games. And God, if, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus as they should, I pray that this would be the moment that they turn to him. I pray this in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there anybody here that would just say, uh, God has spoken to me.
Pastor, would you just pray for me? Anybody? Just quickly. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? Pray for me. Thank you. Lord, I want to just pray for those right now that have been spoken to by God. And I pray that today they would make those adjustments in their heart and life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You see three tables here. We practice open communion, which means if it doesn't matter if you're part of this church, if you're visiting, if your heart is right with God, we invite you to partake. If your heart is not right with God, remember the book of Corinthians talks about some serious warnings. And so we would urge you just, we're not going to ask you any questions, but if your heart is right, please come, but use caution if there's sin in your life. You may come, and uh, I'd love to see some of you that would just kneel here at the steps, and uh, you can take, uh, others may want to take the elements back there. We're not going to partake at the same time, which whenever you feel like you have reached the point where your heart is clear and you want to partake, you may do so at your own time frame, in your own time frame, and uh, then just be seated, be worshiping, and then I will dismiss. We'll all leave together. Please stand, and you may come and begin to receive the Lord's Supper.
in your son, Jesus. Thank you for the Passover lamb that came to take our load of sin to the cross so that we didn't have to go there. And as we enter Passion Week, I pray that this week we would be so cognizant of the fact that, Lord, you've commissioned us to spread the good news. And I pray that this would be a week in which we make a difference. Lord, that we become your hands and feet, helping those that are needy, those that are lost, those that are in trouble. God, let us be your hands and feet this week. Prepare our hearts for celebrating the Easter story next week. God, I pray that you would just even now create a sense of anticipation so that when we come, the Holy Spirit would have prepared our hearts. And Lord, we would be ready to receive what you give us. Thank you again, Father, for your love. Thank you for sending the Passover lamb. In Jesus' name. And again, all of God's wonderful children said, Amen. That was a pretty wimpy Amen. If you're going to get out of here, you're going to have to say Amen a little bit louder than that. One, two, three. Amen. Half of you can leave, the rest of you can each stay. Thanks for coming. Lord bless. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.